Hello and welcome to the Frozen Light Podcast. A podcast aimed at staying in touch with the PMLD community in the age of coronavirus. This is Amber Onak Gregory. And I'm Lucy Garland. And we're the co-artistic directors of Frozen Light Theatre Company. So what's exciting is since we last recorded, uh, we have now launched the podcast and it's been really, really great hearing people's feedback so far. And that's been really great. We have arranged the next few weeks of interviews, which we're super excited about. So we're so thrilled at the response that we've been receiving so far. We just wanted to highlight as well that at the moment we are still looking for people to join our audience panel. So this panel is to ensure that Frozen Light always has the voices of people with PMLD at its core and that we're always led by that. And it feels especially relevant at the moment because we're really interested in hearing people's voices and opinions about when they may be ready to return to the theatre to really support us on that journey. We're really interested in that panel supporting the company and having an impact on the direction that the company moves to in the future. So if you'd like to be on the audience panel, please email us at info at frozenlighttheatre.com. We really can't wait to hear from you. So today on the podcast, we are interviewing Emma Murphy and Hugh. We first discovered Emma and Hugh when Emma gave a really amazing talk at the Raising the Bar conference in 2019, which, if you don't know about, is a really amazing conference all about raising the bar for people with PMLD. And what we thought was amazing about Emma's talk was just about how her and Hugh really lived life to the absolute full. It was a talk filled with the joy and positivity that everyday life can bring and all the incredible things that you can do. And we really wanted to hear about how such a positive force really was dealing in such a challenging time. So we'll give Emma a ring now. Hello. Hi, Emma and Hugh. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Hello, hello. And I've just got a beautiful smile there from Hugh. (laughs) He's quite enjoying looking towards the computer, actually. While I was getting it all set up, he was really looking at the computer screen, so so, that was quite nice. Oh, excellent. Well, that's good. And Hugh's got the most amazing set of ribbons going on there. Yeah, he's got lots of rainbow-coloured ribbons to to match his rainbow-coloured top, actually. (laughs) Oh, it's all about the rainbows today. It is today, yeah. I'm just wearing black. I feel like I'm letting the team down. <laughs> we are in the middle of a rainy week, so it's a good reminder that, you know, without the rain, there'll be no... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, first off, we just wondered, Emma, if you'd like to introduce yourself and you. Okay, so I'm Emma. Um, I'm a special needs teacher. I currently teach um, children with profound and multiple learning disabilities from the ages of three right up to 19 now so that's been that's been really nice I'm really enjoying that um, prior to that I actually worked in an autistic specific special school um, before I had the boys 
Um, and then um, also, probably more importantly, mum to two boys. I've got an older boy, Sean, who's keeping the dog out of the way in the other room. <laughs> He's 11. And then I've got Hugh here with me, who's 10 years old. Hugh's got a, a rare genetic disorder called Fox G1 syndrome, um, in which he was only diagnosed with that um, a couple of years ago, actually. Up until that point, he was undiagnosed. And we knew he had a, a genetic condition of some sort, but we didn't really know what it was. So it was he had a syndrome without a name, really. It's caused um, profound and multiple learning disabilities, um, epilepsy, severe epilepsy. Um, he's tube-fed. He's got a visual impairment. Um, so it's, it's the Fox G1 syndrome has a lot to answer for. But he is the most happy, um, wonderful little boy to have around. He loves, uh, as you can see, loves, loves playing with his ribbons and twiddly things. Wires, he loves playing with wires, so feeding tubes, uh, the extension set from the from the from the feed pump, the uh, the Sats probe, all of those things, things that he shouldn't have. So we try and divert him with the ribbons instead. <laughs> he loves he loves uh, balloons. He loves bubbles. He loves music, um, and he's generally like a really a really happy happy little boy, which is which is great. And we can see that looks like um he's having a great time there. <laughs> And what does your lockdown look like so far? Just to say it's the 19th, the Friday, the 19th of June. Um, how's things going? Yeah, so it's been, um, it's been different. We, uh, normally life would be, I'd be working um, part-time. Both the boys would be in school um, five days a week. We'd have carers coming in to, to help with Hugh. So he has, um, he has a care package um, from the NHS because he has issues with his breathing. Um, he has a one-to-one -one complex carer, so she comes at eight o'clock in the morning, takes him off to school on the school bus, stays with him all day, comes home, and he's with him till four o'clock. Um, and then we have, on the nights before I go to work, I have overnight care as well, so he has waking nights, um, and we have a carer uh, two nights a week to do that. So it's really changed because we've had no carers in the house since the... I think the 16th of March. Um, so we've been responsible for the for the care 24 seven. Um, my husband was originally working from home. Uh, then he was furloughed. Um, now he's actually back at work again. Um, and obviously the two boys haven't been at school. I have been working from home and trying to homeschool in in a, in a fashion. In fairness, Sean's been brilliant because he's really done it himself <laughs> so thank, thanks to the wonders of modern technology and the <laughs> internet um he's been accessing lessons online which which has been brilliant only with you know the occasional reminder from from me that he, he really does need to start now or um and hugh's hugh's homeschooling has been uh, less successful <laughs> he he really doesn't want to get out of bed actually hugh's loving lockdown because for him mornings were always an issue anyway he hates getting out of bed early so in a morning, I would say rush off to work. I'd be leaving at half seven. The night carer would hand over to the day carer and Hugh would be fast asleep still. Um, you're laughing about this, aren't you? Because <laughs> 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 even if he wasn't fast asleep, he would pretend to be asleep. And then you would, you know, you'd, you'd give him his medications, dress him, hoist him into a wheelchair, get him onto a school bus, get him to school. This is all while still asleep. They could even get him out into and strapped into a standing frame. 
while he was asleep. So, <laughs> oh, Hugh, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. <laughs> so, so for Hugh, he's he's actually really enjoying it because he's been waking up and he, he wakes up normally at sort of half six, seven. And he's adamant he doesn't want to get out of bed at that point. So I'll go in, get switch off his night feed, flush him, give him his medications, and I'll be like, "Oh, are you ready to get up?" And he is. He's got a very definite no. <laughs> there's no I'm not getting out of bed and and he'll like he'll have a morning nap he'll go back to sleep and then he'll he'll shout when he's ready to get up and it's it can be for anywhere from this morning he was ready at, at 10 o'clock and he was happy to get up at 10 um but there's been days he's decided he doesn't want to get out of bed till half past 12 <laughs> so oh, this is like my ideal life He's like a teenager. He's like a teenager. So he's really, really looking locked down. So, but it does mean the actual homeschooling um, side for Hugh is, is, is in a, quite a limited time frame because he's also very adamant about what hours of the day he's happy to do physio. Um, and that is not in the afternoon. So we've got a really small window of opportunity in the morning to get his physiotherapy done. So I feel a bit guilty about that, actually, because I know I'm not doing anywhere near as physio, as much physio as he'd be getting at school, which is which is a shame. But other things he's, you know, he's doing, we've got lots of sensory play. He's quite happy to do that in the afternoon, obviously his music, all of those kind of things. But the, the, the physio has fallen by the wayside a bit, and I do feel a bit guilty about that, to be honest. Obviously, it sounds like you had such an incredible support unit before lockdown, and that's all been taken away. Was that all due to kind of to decrease kind of risk of there being lots of people around? Is that something that you can look at having back in in the future at this stage that still feel too unsure? Yeah, so um, I, they, they did say that carers could continue to come in if we wanted, um, but because we were shielding here, I just felt that I wanted to minimise the risk as much as possible. So we were literally like, nobody comes in or out now, and we you know lock the doors and that's it. Um, so, yeah, so I, I specifically said I didn't want carers in. But there were, there were the... Excuse me. The NHS were really good and sort of said, you know, if you refuse care, it doesn't mean you won't get it back again. You know, so it is there when we're ready to accept people back in. Um, I think now that my husband's gone back to work, it's going to get more difficult, um, and I might need to start actually having carers in because I'll be responsible. 24 7 you know if we've had a really difficult night when Stephen was at home I could just go back to bed that was fine because I generally tend to do all the nights anyway um so if we've had, had a difficult night then he'll get up with Hugh in the morning and he'll deal with everything then I can go back to bed for a few hours but once he's back at work I won't be able to do that so I might have to start considering having carers back in again then and what's happened to your school that you work at? Is that currently closed or is that open? No, it's been, it's been open the whole time. Um, so I think they, they have, they're gradually increasing the numbers now. I think there's about 40, 45 children at the moment. Um, so it's, it's a mixed special needs. So it, there's children with profound and multiple learning difficulties, um, uh, severe learning difficulties and uh, you know autistic spectrum conditions as well so there's a, there's a there's a full range and it's right from um still nursery right up to, to secondary um so it's yeah it's been open the whole time and they, they've been really supportive actually they've got um a, a volunteer rotor um and because i'm at home shielded with hugh they've said that i don't need to be on it at the moment which has been great so i i'm not having to go into school but they've got full ppe and everything um, when they're in school supporting the children. So I, I know that when it's time for me to go back, it's as safe as it possibly can be. Um, and at the moment, I'm just working from home. So we've been sort of preparing lots of 
lots of learning packs for, for the parents to use at home um, and look at the curriculum, mm. online training, all of those kind of things. We know from Hugh's Facebook page that he loves music. Um, what has music brought to your lockdown experience? Yeah, he, he does. He really, really loves music. He's really good at it as well. You know, it's something he can do. Obviously, he needs lots of support with so many different aspects of his life. And music is something that he can access independently himself. And he's, he's, he, he can spend an inordinate amount of time playing the guitar. And it's lovely. And he gets such joy from that and such pleasure from it. It really helps with his with his moods, with his he gets anxiety about about um, you know being in new places or new things happening or you know various things cause 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 him to get quite anxious and upset. And the um, having access to uh, his guitar, his ukulele, and being able to play that independently really really helps him um, and really helps to calm him down. So it's been, I think, probably every single day he's been playing one instrument or another. His, his favourite is the guitar. He also likes the ukulele and his keyboard. We've been using the keyboard sort of propped up and then putting him in his um, in his walker so that we're, we're still trying to, you know, so that he's weight-bearing and, um, uh, and standing. So we'll put him in that and then he'll have the keyboard and he'll be playing that and that will distract him from the fact that he's actually doing physio at the same time. So... <laughs> Yeah, every every single day, I would imagine he's. If, if you give him a choice of what he wants, it's pretty much always uh, a musical instrument he'll choose over over his other toys. Um, and then listening to music, he listens to music every single night before bed. So it's as part of his routine. He, um, he he chooses to go to bed at around about anytime between half six and half seven. He he asks to go down to bed, and yeah, don't you? Yeah, um, and then we'll, we'll stick on the radio on for him and uh, we'll have his disco lights and his bubble tube on and he absolutely loves that. And then on a, on a Friday night, it's 80s disco night, so he has, uh, we, we set his room up and it's all uh, UV lights and like uh, fluorescent things, then he has all 80s music and it's a, a full-on disco in his bedroom, so he absolutely loves it. I say, we all need a uh, 80s lockdown disco night, that sounds great. <laughs> Yeah, no, it is, it is. It's good fun. It's good fun. Like, I'll just like lie on the bed with him and you've got all these lights going around the ceiling. You've got all these different things. I've got these um, uh, fluorescent um, pens as well. And he's got bumpers on the side of his on the side of his bed. So we like draw patterns in the fluorescent lights. And we just lie there chilling out listening to music. It's brilliant. Amazing. Amazing. It's a good job he does like 80s music. I'm, I'm guessing he didn't really have much choice in that matter. I think he forced that on him. But it's uh, but it, it's good because if he likes something I hated, uh, I probably wouldn't be quite as keen to, to lie in the bed enjoying it with him. He uses music and song to kind of make sense of, of the day and the routine. So we have like a good morning song that we do every morning when I go into him. He has a, a song for brushing his teeth, a song for washing his face, a song for song for having his hair cut because we've been doing lockdown haircuts. And he hates having his hair cut. He really, really does. So we've got a lockdown haircut. And I know we did the lockdown story massage as well. And that seems to have, uh, a lot, uh, sorry, a haircut story massage. And that seems to have helped him um, uh, adapt a little bit better, except the haircuts. Where have you found out how to do the story haircut well, message? Well, it's just, I mean, the thing with Facebook and, um, and the internet and, and being on lockdown is loads of people have been just giving their resources away for free, which has been absolutely amazing. Um, so I was familiar with story massage, but hadn't really used it that much. 
um, but then sort of I've been watching the videos and we've been joining in with some of the sessions um, and I just kind of got a bit more confident in the whole process of, of, of what it was really so I just made one up <laughs> basically so using you know like a little a little poem because um, he likes kind of rhyme and repetition so a little poem to, to, to go with what's going to happen in your haircut and you know it's all right you're going to have a bath and a bit of a splash afterwards and um, and then just massage strokes to, to go with it so that he's got you know that he knows that there's a, there's a start a middle and an end and at the end you get the bath yay <laughs> so, just, they do like um, uh, story massage lives every uh, I think it's twice a week they do them they're really really nice really nice yeah brilliant we'll put that on our website show notes for the podcast oh fantastic yeah um, and we've also we've seen a very cute video which I think is a bit old on your Hugh's Facebook page Lucy Lily lost her mind of um, your little dog Barney with yeah. you. Um, and can you tell us a little bit more about what Barney brings to the household yeah so that I think I, I'm guessing the video you're on about is the one that just um it all went a bit nuts a couple of years ago. We put, uh, I think it's, it's probably it's about two years, coming up to two years old now. Barney was sat, I'd, we'd only had him a couple of weeks. Um, so he was probably, you know, 14, 15 weeks old, Barney was. And we kind of sat him as a little puppy on Hugh's lap. And he was just so, like, cute and loving towards him. And then they did this, like little high five and it was just it was just really really sweet but I put it on Facebook and it went it literally went viral and it was all a bit scary I had these like news agencies contacting me and it was on lad bible and on like the daily mail snapchat page it was it just went everywhere and I was a bit um yeah it was a bit scary I didn't really know what to do um and I and I did panic when it went viral because I thought I don't want I don't want to be on the receiving end of, of, of any any nastiness. I, I really won't be able to handle it if people are mean. And do you know what? Not a single person was. Everybody was just delighted. We, I mean, I had thousands and thousands of messages um, with and, and, and you know via Twitter and, and Facebook with people just saying um, how lovely it was, um, how amazing animals were, were, how we don't deserve dogs. And it was just it just. It was the, the, there was this amazing outpouring of love, and it was really, really lovely. But I mean, I think I think it's important to, to know that, that Barney is not a gentle dog by nature. So he's a Springer Spaniel. So he is as nuts as you would imagine a Springer Spaniel to be. He's bouncy and excitable, and he's just full on crazy, um, really energetic. But he's ever so good with Hugh. He's so gentle with him. So. Um, this week I've been trying to do resonance boards activities with Hugh and Hugh has decided he now doesn't like the resonance board and he's been getting quite upset and anxious on it. And Barney, bless him, when he hears him crying, he just kind of climbs onto the board next to him and he's laid down next to him to try and calm him down. Um, when Hugh hasn't been, on, hasn't been well, there was one night Hugh was really upset and unwell and Barney sat beside him and started crying. He's like, he's so, he's so lovely with Hugh. Um, and I mean, he's not like that with the rest of us. He's, he's a lovely dog, don't get me wrong, but he's not that gentle with the rest of us. You know, he runs rings around the park and he's into the river and he's, I mean, he was swimming in, in the river yesterday. He's just crazy. He's so, he's so lovely with Hugh. He's really, he's really intuitive, really gentle with him. But I think, I think for all of us, Barney's um, saved our sanity is, is the truth of it. I think initially when, when lockdown started, I was like, so anxious and so you know like full-on panic attacks about 
the germs and you know what was going to happen to Hugh and what was going to happen to me if I got it and I couldn't look after Hugh and who was going to look after Hugh if if we were too sick because you know there is there is nobody else that that, that can have that can have him so I was in this full blown panic mode didn't want to leave the house but of course Barney needed walking so it made me go out of the house initially that was so difficult because I mean there was one day I literally went out with Barney and my older son Sean and I was jumping into bushes trying to get away from people and I was like hyperventilating I was nearly crying it was horrid so I started then taking Barney out at half past six in the morning so I wouldn't see anybody but he made me get out every day and I think I would have really happily locked myself away completely and then found it really difficult to get back to normality because I wouldn't have let I wouldn't have left the house at all um, but because I needed to take Barney out um, I did and you know I, I can walk uh, along the road with other people in, in the vicinity without having panic attacks so that's good uh, my husband again would have really really struggled if he'd had to um stay in the house all day every day he's used to being out and being busy um and so again taking barney out and i mean they've gone on some really long long walks together <laughs> so i think i think it's helped us all it really has i think when you're in a intensive family lockdown situation as well just any opportunity to do something that's just a tiny bit different or kind of a moment to yourself as well is just is an absolute lifesaver isn't it Absolutely, absolutely. We're lucky we live um, not far from quite a big country park that's got, you know, like a little river running through it and, you know, it's a nice big open space and you can, you can walk for, yeah, you can walk for miles, um, you know, and, and not see people and it's, it's really lovely. It's been, it's been great being able to do that. I think it helps getting out into the fresh air. So we heard you speaking at Raising the Bar last year. And your talk had a huge focus on living life to the full. How have you been able to take this attitude into a global pandemic? <laughs> so, so, yeah, living life to the full, but being too scared to leave the house. <laughs> I try to be um, as positive as I can be. We've faced some really difficult challenges with Hugh's health over the years, some really terrifying times. And I've always tried to not let the fear control us, which is easier said than done. When Hugh was when Hugh was really little, and he was you know he was he was terribly poorly, and I would kind of like before I woke up in the morning, I'd just like pray with my eyes. I I literally pray like please still be breathing, please still be alive. We had no care, we had no monitors, nothing, and you know it was it was it was a really really stressful difficult time. And I remember thinking, how was it possible to continue living like this? And and what if? this was all it was ever going to be, you know, like what if tomorrow didn't come and I didn't want to regret not having made the most of today. I, I worked really hard at trying to be positive and be happy and do fun things and make the most of, you know, if I couldn't change the circumstances we were living in, I couldn't wave a magic wand and make him better. What I could do is, is make the most of now and, and, and live in the moment as it were. And so after the first initial weeks of the pandemic where I was you know terrified I, I realized I can't live like this I can't it, it reminded me of those early days when I was literally too scared to leave, leave the house with him because he was so ill it reminded me of that time and I thought you know you have to this is the way it is now you have to accept that and make the most of it 
And so that's kind of what we did. And we, we start, you know, just do fun things, try and find something every single day that, that, that makes us happy. Um, once I've kind of got my mindset around that, I started to think about things that we could do safely with you. So we went to, um, you know, because obviously we're still shielding, but we went to the, the stables. So one of his carers' moms has um, some stables. So we were able to bring him there, knowing that there wasn't going to be lots of people around, and he was able to spend time with the animals, which, which he loves. We took Barney with us. We just kind of spent a few hours there. That's, that's it, really. I think it's always about accepting that I can't change either Hugh's health or the fact that it's a global pandemic. I can't change any of that. What I can do is change how I approach it. And if I can make the most of it and be as positive as possible and enjoy what we can rather than just waiting for it to be over. I mean, it sounds like an amazing attitude and really interesting to, for you to say how what you've experienced early on in the pandemic was similar to something you've experienced before as well and using the same kind of techniques to adopt that positive attitude in regards to shielding do you have any idea have you been given any information at all about how long that might have to go on for i mean the letter itself didn't come for a good few weeks anyway by that point we'd already decided to shield him ourselves and had pulled him and his brother out of school even before kind of the government had um, made it mandatory because we just figured that actually the risks to Hugh would be so, so significant. It's, it's a great move this morning. Um, and so we'd already made those decisions anyway. And then we had a few texts from, from the government. Um, so I think that the most recent date we've been given is the 30th of June. Um, but to my mind, like it doesn't suddenly finish on the 30th of June. It's not suddenly going to have disappeared. The world's not going to suddenly go back to normal on the 30th of June. So I've been trying to gradually get my mind around the fact that things are going to have to slowly get back to normal in as safe a way as possible. I'm looking at ways of getting Q out of the house. We've, we've been for drives with him. I've gone over to my mum's and sat in her back garden so that I'm taking those small steps ready for transitioning back into, into a normal life. Um, I've spoken to his consultants as well uh, and, and sort of sought advice from them about what the risk level is to him. And, and come September, we're going to be hitting flu season again, September, October time when everyone's going to be getting ready to go back to school. The thing is, with, with Hugh's health, we've been facing, you know, life and death decisions for for. 10 years um we risk assess absolutely everything all the time anyway because of because of his health you know i i don't go we don't leave the country to to go abroad we we only ever go to places that are easily accessible to the emergency services any place i go on holiday absolutely always um find out about uh, transfer times to the local uh, a and e so every every everything we do in Hugh's life has always been about risk assessing because um, you know his health complications are significant. So we will, I guess, transition back to some form of normality, um, and we'll take each day as it comes and risk assess as we go along and, and decide what's what's safest and what's best for Hugh. That's that's all all we can do, uh, and just hope that we have access to the information. Um, to be able to do that, really. 
<laughs> Actually, he's been so healthy since he's been home. He's like, his communication's come on really well. He's like, he's, th- he's thriving being at home. He really is. That's what Joanna Grace said, didn't she, in her um, podcast episode. Yeah. You would expect that um, children's communication who have been at home with their families will have come on a, a long way. And that's, that's not what I... I'd expected at all. I was really surprised to hear her say that because I kind of thought maybe it would be the opposite because they weren't getting all of that stimulation um, from school. They didn't have the same routines going on. But I think for Hugh, and obviously for for the the children that Joanna Grace has been uh, talking about as well, and in fact I spoke to Hugh's, um, the, the disability social worker, and she said that she was finding the same with her families. They've come on in so many other ways. I think the being able to sleep as much as he needs to has really helped you as well so that when he is awake he's more ready to to learn and 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 make make progress in those areas instead of just being constantly exhausted and <laughs> and catching every book going at school so yeah it's been it's really it's, it's made a tremendous difference to him actually being at home and there are been so many changes that we've all been through at this time and you know there's a lot of talk of the new normal and when things can go back to the way they were before but are there any changes that you hope will support people with profound and multiple learning disabilities in the future influenced by this time in lockdown? One of the key things that I've I'd like to see is a more like flexible approach to schooling. It's been clear to me that making Hugh get out of bed at half past seven in the morning and shoving him on a bus fast asleep isn't really in his best interest. And whilst that's obvious, I suppose, it's what you do because that's what you have to do. You know, he has to go to school. He has to be there for nine o'clock and that's just the way it is. And he has to be there for five days a week. And I would love to see, because if I'm not the only person that's noticing these differences in, in the... Um, the progress the children have made whilst they've not been at school, then maybe there needs to be a more flexible approach to schooling, maybe. And it, it won't be for all children. Some people absolutely need to be there five days a week and will thrive on that routine. But for Hugh, I think a more flexible approach to the hours that he has to do um, would be would be great. So one, another thing that I think would be brilliant um, to continue is the being able to access appointments virtually so not necessarily having to go to the hospital all the time for different appointments but they can be done over the phone or, or by video so we've had a few of those and that's been great I really really l- liked that the community nursing team had got I mean thankfully we haven't had to use it but they've got a system where they would um if you know if it's called a rapid response team so that if your child um starts to get ill it's to try and prevent them going into hospital they've got like a dedicated team for the children with the more complex needs and they um and they they were going to do virtual video calls um so they would do like video calls to try and assess the child like that and then if they felt then they needed to come into the house they would they would do so but i think access to 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 that to continue would be brilliant i think it would be be great to, to be able to have some of your appointments that way but it's not all about that. Life's actually really, really good and positive and fun. Um, he brings such a huge amount of, of, of joy to all of our lives. You know, my life is better because Hugh is in it. He doesn't take away all those that, that profound disabilities, all those health needs. 
make my life less sad or depressing. You know, I have a, a wonderful life and it's wonderful because of Hugh and, and Sean, of course, and, you know, my husband and my dog as well. But, you know, Hugh adds so much to my life and I think that people are, are, are frightened of disability um, because they don't know enough about it, I suppose. If you've never lived with somebody with profound multiple learning disabilities, you know, the prospects might be quite frightening. And I hope really with, with his Facebook page, I show that it's that it's not, it's a really joy-filled life. It's a life filled with, with love and laughter and fun. Um, and I really hope that comes across. That's the, that's the point of it now. And, that's, um, and that was the reason why we wanted to interview you because we love that, that spreading that positivity because that's what we see in our work. We make work for, for really amazing audiences and have really great times. And wanting to, yeah, show the really positive side of it. And I think that's what you do really, really well with them. And you, you, with your Facebook page. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do, don't you? With your big smiles. Um, and you, yeah, and your music. <laughs> and your dog. Right. Yeah. You're not, you're not bad at this, are you? <laughs> We'll have to get you doing some more Zoom meetings. He's quite enjoyed this, I think. You're very good at it. I didn't, I didn't give him his guitar. Do you want me to pass him his guitar and he can play you a little tune? Oh, yes, you please. Guitar. Yes, please, Hugh. We'd love to hear some guitar. Would you, would you like that, yeah? Of course you would. Probably needs tuning in first. Good boy! <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like it needs tuning to me. <laughs> it sounds great. He loves it. He absolutely loves it. You can see. <laughs> you can sing for us as well. <laughs> Play us out, Hugh. <laughs> yeah, it's like your theme tune for the, for the end of the show. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, guys. Oh, well, thanks for having us on. It's been really lovely. I'm really honoured that you, that you asked. Thank you. It was really great to hear from Emma and Hugh and see what they've been up to. It was lovely to hear some of Hugh's guitar. I've heard much more of it on Hugh's Facebook page. And if you haven't seen the dog video that went viral with Hugh and Barney the dog, you've got to check it out. Um, but yeah, really lovely. I think it's what I really love about Emma is, is the positivity that she puts into everything that she does, but also how she you know, admits that she's worked really, really hard for that mindset. And I think it would be really easy for her to to feel quite stressed and, and anxious all the time, especially during this pandemic, but actually that she's taken that and flipped it on its head and tried to see the positivity and really spread that message of positivity around. It's also the first time that we've had someone come on the podcast who is shielding. And it's interesting to see how that has impacted life so differently from those of us who are not shielding. And now as restrictions start to relax, what differences that makes to your life and actually how little clarity there is on how to go forward. You know, what support can be given to people who are not sure what to do next? So thanks again, Emma and Hugh. And up next week, we have Rachel Wright, who is mum to Sam. She runs Born at the Right Time website and blog. She's a trainer. She's a nurse. She's written a book. She runs Camp Jojo. 
We're really excited to talk to Rachel, to hear about all the things she does, to hear about Sam and what those guys have been up to in lockdown. So do listen. I think it will be a really interesting episode. Now that we are up and running with the podcast, we are aiming to get the episodes out to you every Wednesday. So please do drop us a line, send us an email, let us know if you enjoy the podcast, let us know if there's anything else you think we should cover and just keep in touch. Um, You can listen to the podcast on all different sorts of podcast channels, but on our website, www.frozenlighttheatre.com forward slash podcast. You can listen to all of the episodes there as well as have access to all of the show notes, which are links that we've been discussing with our guests and links to our guests and also a transcript of the episode. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Spotify, all the usual places you get your podcast. Please rate and review and subscribe. We would really love that. We are forward slash Frozen Light Theatre on Facebook and at Frozen Theatre on Twitter and forward slash Frozen Light Theatre on Instagram. You can get us on email at info at frozenlighttheatre.com. Thanks for listening and we will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye.